right, Mike, check. I am late to the live show, but I am here. Let's go. Okay, y'all tell me y'all can hear that music. I That was weird. It didn't come through for me. Um, it actually played on my computer speakers. Uh, I don't know. I'm having a case of the Mondays. <clears throat> Good morning. I'm having a case of the Mondays. There's a... Had to run some errands this morning. Uh, wife is headed out of town for work, and that usually means that things suddenly go awry <laughs> in this house. Um, loving my wife's new job and loving... And I feel really blessed and she's loving it too. But, uh, it is a long, as long as we've been married, whenever the wife goes out of town, it just feels like things aren't quite right. Uh, or maybe I just blame things not going my way on that. But, um, it's been, it's been a bit, bit of a morning. So glad y'all are here and sorry, I am late this morning. We are going to cover the latest filing in Judge Chukin's D.C. case, uh, Jack Smith's case against Trump. Um, we were going to do the motion to dismiss. Well, Jack Smith's reply to the motion to dismiss, that huge, like, 70-something page uh, reply in opposition. Uh, but one, I don't have I don't have time this morning to go through the whole thing. Two, we have this other massive filing that dropped, which is Trump's motion to compel which tonight on the devolution power hour, we're going to be digging into that filing and John's work 
on devolution and because we think it's, there's a lot of devolution proofs in it or at least notables um so tonight's devolution power hour is going to be fire uh but what i wanted to do is i need to catch up on this filing so i'm ready for it um and for tonight's show and i'm just limited on time so i figured the best thing to do is for us to skip ahead in the docket get right to this motion uh to compel discovery and we're gonna we're gonna read through it and just see what we find in case you missed it i did break a major news story last night i broke a news story um i didn't put breaking in my post about it because I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I find it one of the most cringiest things ever when people put breaking and then they pick a post. Uh, like I, I hate it. I absolutely hate this thing where people post post breaking Trump had steak for dinner. Like, like I just, I hate it. Um, but it is, it is huge news that um, this order has come down in the Seth rich case. And just real quick, let me get over here just real quick. Uh, why is it po have this posted so many times? What is going on? What is going on, X? Get it right. Get it right. Why is it showing my stuff from November 22nd? Okay, X is broken. There it goes. Now it's working. Oh, there's me. Having a bad mustache day. Okay. So I posted this late last night. Going through this order in the Seth Rich case, major news. The the judge in this case, this case has been going on for a long time, um, since 2020. The last time we covered it on this show was back in like August or September. And the reason we covered it was the Durham report. Because the plaintiff in this case, Brian Huddleston, introduced the Durham report and said, look, judge, the FBI is not being forthcoming with all that they have. Here's the Durham report, which gives evidence to that fact. And I was really excited about it because once again, the Durham report surfaces and bears fruit in some somewhat unexpected places. And despite how many people try and claim the Durham report was a nothing burger, here it is causing this right here, you know, and it's, if without the Durham report, I don't think we would be here with this case. So anyway, it's been months since there's been any developments in this Seth Rich case. Uh, the last major development before the Durham report got introduced was we learned that the FBI has possession of imaged copy, image disc, like forensic uh, images of the personal laptop of Seth Rich and his work laptop. So what has happened in this case, just real quick is that the judge has found that the FBI can't hide the work laptop, DVD, tape drive, compact disc of the personal laptop. Um, they, they can't hide those things. That all of those things are responsive to the FOIA request in this case. And then he has ordered the FBI to produce a Vaughn index for each of those items. A Vaughn index is like uh, basically a spreadsheet um, an affidavit, it's an accounting of what it what it is and why the FBI thinks it needs to be exempt from FOIA. Um, it's, it's, it's like an accounting of it from like, like a spreadsheet sense and then an explanation. It is not actually the reveal of all of those things. It's the FBI has to make a case to say, okay, this is our indexing 
our accounting of what this item is that we have in evidence and an explanation of why we want to keep it in evidence and why we want to exempt the entire thing or exempt portions of it. Still, this is great news because the FBI has been ordered to produce what? More information about Seth Rich's laptops, DVD, uh, all of this stuff. So that's a big win. But what is a bigger win? And I'm going to zoom in here real quick. The biggest win in this whole thing is what I highlighted down here. Which some people are misreporting because they're not actually reading what I highlighted and what I wrote in my post about this. This, this last line is the most significant. The FBI has been ordered that they should rec they have to recommend to the court a timeline for disclosure of information on Seth Rich's personal laptop, Seth Rich's work laptop, the DVD, and the tape drive within 14 days. It is not that they have to disclose the information on those items. It's that they have to propose to the court a timeline for disclosing those things. So the, the judge is saying, listen, you guys can't hide this stuff forever. You have to come to this court and you have to tell this court uh, or propose to this court a timeline for when you are going to disclose the information that are on these items. That is huge. And now the FBI may come back and say, it's going to take 60 years, judge, because there's that much material to go by, go through and redact and exempt. And there's only this many people that work in the department to handle such things. And we only get this much funding per year to handle such things. That's probably what will happen is the FBI is going to come and say, it, judge, it's going to take us 20 plus years to go through all of the material that we have on this. And a lot of people are going to cry, boo, boo, boo. But the, the bicameral take on that, the, the, the understanding is greater than reacting take on that is, wow, that means there's a lot of information. That means there's a lot of information that they have on these laptops and uh, the DVD and tape drive. And the judge is probably going to come back and say, no, FBI, you can't take 20 years to do this. And that battle will continue until an actual timeline is set and ordered by the judge. Right? This, it's incremental steps. It's step by step by step by step. And yesterday, this judge's order not only took some steps, it, it took some leaps. And there are probably going to be a couple baby steps next. And then there's going to be some more leaps. So really exciting news. I did go over this filing. Um, I did go over this filing last night in a private video that I did for my Telegram chat. Um, uh, it's about an hour long where I read through this order real quick and gave some commentary on it. I'm going to upload that video uh, to, to my Rumble later today. So if you're interested in a bonus episode of Just Human, um, it'll pop up later today and it'll just be covering this, this development. So great news. Really excited about it. Um, yeah. Watch out for the fake news about it. Um, also, the Black Pillars are out in force. <laughs> the Black Pillars are out in force over this filing there's like if you go to the comment section there's a lot of people who are you know um happy about it. like my friend joe lang he gets it um you know there's a lot of people that are that are like oh yeah this is awesome uh but 
you keep scrolling and it's just black pill, black pill, black pill, black pill, black pill. I mean, it's, it's just keep, there's a lot of people that do get it and I'm thankful for it, but there's a ton of people who are just black pilling over it, which I don't know. Some people just are so addicted to their, their doomerism that even when they get good news, they, they can't accept it. They just can't. It shakes the foundations of their, of their negativity, right? They, they like spreading their misery. And when they get good news, it interrupts the spreading of their misery. Okay. So before I get to our uh, court filing today, how to support this show. This show is made possible by you folks who enjoy it and hit the like and share the show and uh, share my work, and I really appreciate it. And um, also people who decide to pull a dollar out of their pocket and either spend it directly on me and support my coffee addiction, such as by going to ko-fi.com and buying me a cup of coffee, which is awesome. And I love it that people can leave little notes over here. It's great. I read every single one, and I take them to heart. You guys are really kind. You can also support the show by getting yourself some honey from BensonHoneyFarms.com. They have wonderful products. I use them every day. I have their honey in my coffee right now. They also got this contest right here. We can win some prizes, by the way, some 15% off and free shipping, other things like that. They have wonderful raw honey. They have wonderful uh, goat milk soap, I believe it is. And um, the barbecue sauce is good. And uh, yeah, I love their products. Love their candy. My kids love their products. And I love the Bensons. They're a wonderful family and good friends. Bootleg products. If you guys are hungry or if you're going to be cooking for your family soon, you might need some seasonings, some salsa, or some sauces, or some ranch. I love bootleg products. I use them every week, almost every day. I use their seasonings. I, I think their rubs and their seasonings are fantastic. Uh, and their salsas as well. But I want to say a special word uh, today about their um, chili. So I had, I've had, I've had their chili for a little while. Like uh, Mike, um, who's a good friend, he sent me some of their chili about a month ago, I think. And um, I had the mild right here. And so I, I'd set it aside and was kind of waiting for the right opportunity, the right, right weather and what not to have some. And, uh, I really, I really love chili. I make it at home homemade, uh, often. And then, um, my, my in-laws, they make it. And when they make big, they make big batches of it and send some to us. We all love it. So last night I decided I was going to try, uh, Mike's a bootleg. I was going to try this chili and, I got some ground beef and cooked that and seasoned it and then added it to a pot here and kept it on low heat for about 30 minutes or so and really let it set in the flavors absorb. And I got to tell you guys, it may be the best chili I have ever had in my life. And I don't say that lightly. I, I expected it to be good. I expected it to be better than store-bought chili. I did not expect it to be better than my own homemade chili 
or my family's own homemade chili, my extended family. I am telling you, this may be the best chili I have ever had in my life. And <laughs> if my dad is listening right now, he's going to take that as a challenge. <laughs> um, but man, it's so good. I just can't say enough good things. It is the, it, wherever you live in this country, it's probably good weather for chili. So if you're interested, go to the description of this show or uh, go to my link tree, click on bootleg products. Any of these links right here, there'll be affiliate links. Get some of this chili. It is so good. Uh, man, it is so good. And thank you, Mike, for, uh, for being part of the show. All right, next, I have recently added Manly Cans. They reached out to me and, you know, I do, I don't get a whole bunch of people beating down my door to advertise on this show. I do get a few and I turn almost all of them down, but Manly Cans, I like their products. I think it's fun. Um, I think it's pretty unique and I think it's a good fit for the show because they, they have some, they have some cans that are like, uh, they just go in line with what. I don't know the persona and the, the look and whatever of this show. Um, I mean, I like to think I'm kind of manly, but really I'm just into coffee. Right. And they have a coffee can and, um, they have a bearded man can and they have a dapper can. And sometimes I'm kind of dapper every once in a while. I have a good mustache day and I do it up really nice and fancy, uh, you know, and get lots of, lots of good looks from pretty ladies and whatnot. <clears throat> a couple extra kisses from my wife. Um, I like Manly Cans and they have their products right now. This is the best time of year to get some of their products because we're all shopping for family members and friends for Christmas. And if you have someone that you're interested in that you want to, you're trying to find a gift for, and you're not quite sure what to get them. If they're a man or maybe just a lady who really enjoys some of these types of products, no shame in that. Uh, Go to manlycans.com via my affiliate link in the description or in my link tree. Make a purchase over there. Get a gift for someone in your life. And uh, the affiliate link will make it so a few dollars get kicked my way. So shout out to Manly Cans. Really appreciate them affiliating with my show. Lastly, there's merch. Over in this section of Red White Bourbon 45. The link is in my description of the show. And uh, also on my link tree, you can go here, <clears throat> excuse me, and get hats and shirts and stickers. But the best products really are the coffee mug and the pint glass. Those are my favorite things here. Can't say enough good things about the coffee mug. It is heavy and it really does keep the coffee or tea, whatever you put in it, hot or cold. If you're sneaking, uh, if you're sneaking some, you know. I don't know, some rum or some gin or some whiskey or something in it. That's fine. You can put other beverages in it besides coffee. But whatever temperature it is, it keeps it at that temperature. It's a really good mug. It's high quality. So, all right, those are the ways to support the show. And without that support, I wouldn't be doing this. I would be mechanicking somewhere or doing construction work. So I really appreciate all the support. All right, we're going to go to this case. And I am realizing now I have the wrong bookmark pulled up for it. So see how this bookmark, here's a teachable moment. This bookmark has some of these things as buy on pacer. This, this 
this bookmark here is not updated with the latest. So let me get to the rest of my bookmarks. And yes, the chili does have beans in it, which I like. I don't buy into this whole chili shouldn't have beans in it thing. I feel like a couple of Yankees are psyoping people into and psyoping Texans into thinking that chili shouldn't have beans in it. It is offensive to me. Chili should definitely have beans in it. What in the world is going on here? It is a psyop, I'm telling you. It's probably a psyop by the anti-bean lobby, okay? They're a very powerful lobby. Watch out for them. So, kind of like the... I don't think they're as powerful as the Portobello Mushroom Lobby, but they're pretty powerful. You got to watch out for those. And they're definitely not as powerful as the Sugar Lobby and the, and the, the Fructose Corn Syrup Lobby. Those are probably the most powerful. Fructose corn syrup, sugar, portobello mushroom lobbies. Those are the biggest lobbies probably in the food industry. But the bean lobby, the anti-bean lobby, they're psyoping Texans. They've been doing it for years. Watch out for it. Okay. So, Trump, Trump's team dropped um, a few things. Uh, some big things. There's so much here. So, the first one I hear... This is a motion uh, basically for permission to file under seal unredacted motion and exhibits. And it has some examples here. I can't go through all of this, but um, there's some interesting stuff in here. Uh, these exhibits, Trump's team is wanting to, ha to file this. There's a lot of them redacted. Um, like this one here. Right here. Okay. So this is a re this is request for discovery. Okay. And right here under part eight, it says, please provide all documents relating to investigations. This is kind of like an appetizer to what we're going to read. Please provide all documents relating to investigations that are related to fraud, interference, including but not limited to foreign interference or irregularities during the 2020 election, including but not limited to docu documents relating to. And then you have all of these redactions. And then the next section, documents related to the investigation of voting anomalies or irregularities in 2020. Documents provided to Trump or his advisors between November 3rd, 2020 and January 6th, 2021, suggesting fraud, irregularities, or anomalies in any state election. Documents regarding changes or amendments to state election statutes, etc., etc. Documents regarding activities or responses by state legislatures following the 2020 election. Please provide all documents relating to assessments of potential fraud, interference, or irregularities in 2020. Do you guys remember when this case dropped, myself and several others started saying Trump's defense is disclosure of the 2020 election fraud? Here it is. Here it is. These... This is Trump, all of this here and what we're about to get into is Trump's team coming good on that 
and proving that their defense of Trump in this D.C. case is disclosure of the 2020 election fraud. And maybe not exposure of exactly what was done by who, when, how, all of that. But disclosure of what of what Trump knew and the why behind his decisions and his beliefs. And I just want to sidestep just a moment. <clears throat> because Shipwreck Crew, who I mentioned the other day, I have great respect for. And I really like his takes, even though I don't agree with him all the time. I really, I really think he's very, he's a very reasonable guy. I'm in a very informed for, former prosecutor, now a defense attorney. And I said it was 20 to 30 defendants on J6. It's he has it right here. 25 plus J6 defendants. This guy is, def, is, is working with. So I really liked what he had to say last night about what's happening in Trump's case and what this case is really going to pivot on. He said, this is what's fascinating about the DC case. We don't know what Trump knows. The judge doesn't know what Trump knows. The special counsel's office thinks they know what Trump knows, but they can't be certain. The types of materials Trump is asking for are materials he was privy to while president of the United States. He has an idea what is in them. This case turns on state of mind. What was Trump's state of mind about the election outcome when he engaged in the conduct he's alleged to have engaged in? Trump received info from a large variety of sources. Some may be these very documents he wants access to again. We don't know what we don't know uh, what is in them that might bear on his thinking. He was entitled to believe the parts of the IC reporting, that's the intelligence community reporting, he wanted to believe. And he was free to reject IC reporting he didn't have confidence in. Whether the IC reporting was correct or incorrect is irrelevant. What is relevant is is what Trump believed, whether he was right or wrong. So without knowing the contents of this material or how the contents might have shaped Trump's thinking in the lead up to the election and its aftermath, there is no way to dismiss his request as not material to the defense. Boom. And there's more right here where Trump is asking for more information and materials that he was presented with that are either classified or that the, the special counsel DOJ is saying aren't discoverable. But the thing is, anything Trump was presented with that had to do and would have informed his assessment, his opinion, his view, his understanding of the 2020 election is discoverable because it all informs his mindset during that time period that is relevant to these charges that that are against him, right? Disclosure is Trump's defense. So 
this section right here, I just want to point out there were two, there's two massive drops here that, that came out. This one, uh, which besides these exhibits, this one also has its own 30 plus page filing, which is Trump's motion regarding the scope of the prosecution team, uh, which I would like to get into today, but um, we only have time for one or the other. It's either we get into that one or we get into the motion to compel. And I'm going to choose to get into um, the motion to compel. Okay. By the way, we will be either in the next episode or in an episode very soon. We're going to go back to Jack Smith's motion opposing Trump's motion to dismiss. I would really like to go through it, even though it's huge, it's long. Um, and, and Judge Chukin may issue an order on it before I ever get to it. But I still want to read with y'all why Jack Smith says this case shouldn't be dismissed. That, that way we, we've gone through both sides. And that way we'll be the most informed, right? We'll see both perspectives and come to our own conclusions having having had both perspectives. All right. Introduction. President Donald J. Trump respectfully submits this motion in the accompanying classified supplement, seeking to compel the special counsel's office to provide the information and evidence discussed herein, which is subject to the office's obligations under Brady, Giglio, Rule 16A1E, and the Jinx Act. The indictment in this case reflects little more than partisan advocacy designed to sabotage President Trump's leading campaign for the 2024 presidential election. Consistent with that improper and unlawful goal, the special counsel's office has chosen to rely on the views of witnesses who aligned with the Biden administration's political viewpoints and to treat those biased opinions as objective and irrefutable, uh, irrefutable truths regarding the integrity of the 2020 election and the events of January 6, 2021. The problem with that approach is that President Trump and others, indeed hundreds of millions of voters, are not obligated to accept at face value the office's politically motivated narrative, or any narrative for that matter. It was not unreasonable at the time, and certainly not criminal, for President Trump to disagree with officials now favored by the prosecution and to rely instead on the independent judgment that the American people elected him to use while leading the country. For purposes of this motion, we accept the prosecution's contention that whether President Trump, quote, genuinely believed that the election was stolen is a matter for trial. However, what we cannot accept and what the court is obligated to prevent is the office's efforts to suppress and withhold from President Trump information that supports this defense and related arguments regarding good faith and the absence of criminal intent. Likewise, the special counsel's office cannot contend that President Trump is responsible for January 6th while suppressing public and private statements to the contrary by other prosecutors and officials during prior cases. Information relating to security measures that inform President Trump's remarks and assessments of the situation and instances of undercovers and informants who infiltrated the crowd on that day. We're going to get into January 6th today. And me and several other people are going to be proven exactly right about what was going on that day. That is, it was not a Fed surrection. I repeat, it was not 
a fed surrection. That is a false narrative that excuses the behavior of the people actually responsible for that day. The office cannot blame President Trump for public discord and distrust of the 2020 election results while refusing to turn over evidence that foreign actors stoked the very flames that the office identifies as inculpatory in the indictment. The office cannot rely on selected guidance and judgments by officials it favors from the intelligence community and law enforcement while ignoring evidence of political bias in those officials' decision-making, as well as cyber attacks and other interference, both actual and attempted, that targeted critical infrastructure and election facilities before, during, and after the 2020 election. Finally, the office must disclose information that is discoverable under Supreme Court precedent and local criminal rule 5.1 and other authorities for the purpose of impeaching prosecution witnesses and the lack of integrity in the shoddy investigations that led to this prosecution. All right, applicable law. We'll probably scan through this real quick. A favorable evidence under Brady. In pretrial setting, Brady requires disclosure of any information favorable to the accused without regard to whether the failure to disclose it would likely affect the outcome of the upcoming trial. Trump is entitled to what he was presented with that informed his decisions. We all understand that. The government can't hide behind Bravey. The the government is obligated to disclose such favorable evidence, even in the absence of a defense request. Local criminal rule says that information that is inconsistent with or tends to negate the defendant's guilt as any element They have to turn that over. Information that tends to mitigate the charged offenses, they have to turn that information over. Information that tends to establish an articulated and legally cognizable defense theory, they have to turn that over. Information that casts doubt on the credibility or accuracy of any evidence, including witness testimony or impeachment information, they have to turn that over. The government's counsel's ethical obligations impose disclosure requirements broader than what is constitutionally mandated. Materiality. Evidence that is material to preparing the defense is subject to disclosure under Rule 16A1EI. Materiality is not a heavy burden, according to United States v. George 1993. It only requires some abstract logical relationship to the issues in this case. Well, we can all understand how disclosure of the very information that Trump was presented with between November 3rd and January 6th that informed his thinking and his understanding of the 2020 election, all of that has a very logical relationship to the issues in the case. And so it is discoverable and Jack Smith must turn it over. All right, so we will skip the rest. Background, the prosecution's untenable theory of the case. A court must first start with the indictment when determining what is material, as the indictment delineates the evidence to which the defendant's case must respond. United States v. Libby, 2006. The indictment in this case contains broad and baseless allegations that President Trump will disprove at trial including claims relating to creation of an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger and efforts to erode public faith in the administration of the election. 
to prop up the Biden administration's preferred political advocacy regarding the 2020 election, the indictment endorses the alleged views of, quote, senior White House attorneys, senior leaders of the, of the Justice Department, intel, the intelligence community, and the Department of Homeland Security, Cyber, Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, CISA, and a former CISA director and others. More recently, the special counsel's office asserted that the indictment contains, quote, clear allegations that President Trump directed and is responsible for the events at the Capitol on January 6th. As we have noted, this claim is contradicted by President Trump's speech at the White House ellipse that day, during which he referenced supporters seeking to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. The office's new position is also contradicted by arguments from other prosecutors who have contended, for example, that President Trump, quote, didn't take action. Which came from what trial? The Stuart Rhodes Oath Keepers trial. The prosecutors in that trial argued, quote, Stuart Rhodes' words were not contingent upon anything the president may do which I told you guys, I have told my audience over and over again that the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys turned on President Trump the very week that the election happened back in November 2020. That's not my opinion. That's not DOJ's opinion. That's not conjecture or speculation. It's what the Oath Keepers themselves said, including Stuart Rhodes in their own internal communications. They turned on him then and decided they wanted to start a civil war, which they tried to do that day. It was an insurrection against Trump. And I will keep saying that forever <laughs> because it's the truth. Significant. And, and it's what they admitted to. It's what they admitted to. It's their own claim, not mine or DOJ's. It's their own claim. Significant and serious discovery obligations flow from the ill-advised decision of the special counsel's office to pursue a criminal case based on broad allegations relating to the national atmosphere, the office's perceptions of public faith, and subjective views of personnel at a host of federal agencies. It is one thing to publicize a politically motivated narrative in a one-sided indictment. It is quite another, indeed unlawful and unethical to try to restrict discovery based on that biased view in an attempt to gain a tactical advantage at trial. Well stated. Well stated. Relevant facts. This is going to get spicy. Foreign influence findings relating to the 2016 election. In January 2017, the National Intelligence Council issued an intelligence community assessment titled, quote, Assessing Russian activities and intentions in recent U.S. elections, referring to the 2016 election. A public version of the 2016 election ICA states that it is a, quote, declassified version of a highly classified assessment, which, quote, does not include the full supporting information, including specific intelligence on key elements of the influence campaign. One of the key judgments in the declassified version of the 2016 election ICA was that Russia engaged in foreign influence operations relating to the 2016 election that reflected a quote, significant escalation 
and sought to, quote, undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process. The declassified version of the 2016 election ICA also described efforts by RT America TV, quote, a Kremlin finance channel operated from within the United States, to execute a, quote, Kremlin-directed campaign to undermine faith in the U.S. government and fuel political protest. President Trump's Executive Order 13848. In 2018, President Trump issued Executive Order 13848, titled Imposing Certain Sanctions in the Event of Foreign Interference in a United States Election. Relying on the 2016 election ICA, President Trump declared, quote, the ability of persons located in whole or in substantial part outside the United States to interfere in or undermine public confidence in the United States elections, including through the unauthorized accessing of election and campaign infrastructure or the covert distribution of propaganda and disinformation, constitutes an unusual and extraordinary threat to national security and foreign policy of the United States. President Trump also expressed concern that, quote, the proliferation of digital devices and internet-based communications has created significant vulnerabilities and magnified the scope and intensity of the threat of foreign interference. Executive Order 13848 defined the term foreign interference broadly to include any effort with the, quote, effect of influencing, undermining confidence in, or altering the result or reported result of the election, or undermining public confidence in election processes or institutions. Section 1A of Executive Order 13848 instructed the, national, the Director of National Intelligence to coordinate the preparation of an assessment within 45 days of the 2020 election of, quote, any, there he is, any information indicating that a foreign government or any person acting as an agent of or on behalf of a foreign government has acted with the intent or purpose of interfering in that election. The assessment issued pursuant to this instruction is referred to below as the 2020 election ICA. Section 1B of Executive Order 13848 instructed the Attorney General and Secretary of Homeland Security to prepare a report within 45 days of the 2020 election ICA regarding whether foreign interference, quote, targeted election infrastructure or targeted the infrastructure of a political organization, campaign, or candidate. The report issued pursuant to this instruction is referred to below as the 2020 election DOJ DHS report. The 2020 election CISA statement. Less than two weeks after the 2020 election, CISA joined a public statement regarding election security. The 2020 election CISA statement. The 2020 election CISA statement claimed falsely that, quote, there was no evidence any voting system has been compromised and declared the 2020 election the most secure in American history. On November 17, 2020, President Trump fired CISA's director. In a public statement, President Trump explained that he terminated the director because the CISA election statement was, quote, highly inaccurate. And we have a footnote here. Oh, it goes to Trump's Twitter account. Okay, cool. Next, 
the solar winds sunburst attack. One of the reasons that the CISA election statement was inaccurate is that between January 2019 and at least December 2020, parties reportedly linked to Russia's Foreign Intelligence Service, the SVR, perpetrated what the SEC recently described as, quote, one of the worst cybersecurity incidents in history in connection with what is now known as the sunburst attack. Quote, the threat actors inserted malicious code into three software builds for SolarWinds Orion products. SolarWinds then delivered these compromised products to more than 18,000 customers across the globe. The malicious code provided the threat actors with the ability to access the systems of these compromised customers, provided certain other conditions were met, and became known as the sunburst attack. During the attack, threat actors conducted reconnaissance, exfiltration, and data collection, identified product and network vulnerabilities, harvested credentials of SolarWinds employees and customers, and planned additional attacks against SolarWinds products that would be deployed during later stages of the campaign. Quote, the malicious code provided the threat actors a backdoor into the network environment of SolarWinds customers who downloaded and installed the infected versions of the software to systems that were connected to the internet. By May 2020, at least one government agency had identified evidence relating to the sunburst attack using SolarWinds Orion software. In July 2020, SolarWinds employee express a SolarWinds employee expressed concern that quote the attack was looking closely at Orion for methods to utilize it in larger attacks. The poor state of SolarWinds cybersecurity posture seemed to be a joke for employees in its InfoSec group at least prior to the sunburst attack being revealed. In November 2020, around the time of the election, a SolarWinds employee noted in an email that the company's, quote, products are riddled and obviously have been for many years. According to the SEC, once SolarWinds learned of the sunburst attack, it did not fully disclose its known impact. On December 13, 2020, CISA issued Emergency Directive 2101, titled, quote, Mitigate SolarWinds Orion Code Compromise. The directive noted that SolarWinds Orion products are currently being exploited by malicious actors, which posed an unacceptable risk to federal civilian executive branch agencies and requires emergency action. CISA made those findings based on, among other things, the, quote, high potential for a compromise of agency information systems and grave impact of a successful compromise. As a result, CISA directed affected agencies to immediately disconnect or power down SolarWinds Orion products. The next day, the New York Times reported that the attack had impacted the DOJ, DHS, State Department, Treasury Department, Commerce Department, the National Security Agency, parts of the Pentagon, and many others. What is this footnote? Two. Oh, I didn't mean to actually go there. Super pro move, losing my place. One day I'll learn not to click on links within the, the filing. <laughs> I didn't really mean to click on it. I just meant to highlight it, but it may, I clicked on it. 
Ay, ay, ay. Scroll, 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 scroll. Scroll, scroll. Here we go. In December 2020 and January 2021, CISA issued joint statements regarding the attack with the FBI, the National Security Agency, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Another footnote. I'm not going to click on it. All right, it's just a press release. Not going to click on it this time. There we go. On January 6, 2021, CISA, quote, determined that this threat poses a grave risk to the federal government and state, local, tribal, and territorial governments, as well as critical infrastructure entities and other private sector organizations. Footnote four, another press release. Okay. Following the termination of the CISA director, he formed a consultancy that was retained by Solar Winds in early 2021. Ooh. That's right, folks. Chris Krebs left CISA and then went to go work for Solar Winds, or at least subcontract to them. Was he compensated? Was he compensated for covering up certain things that he observed as CISA director? The classified briefing to co-conspirator four. Now, co-conspirator four is Jeffrey Clark. The indicted Jeffrey Clark in the uh, Fulton County case. The classified briefing to Jeffrey Clark by the director of national intelligence. That would be John Ratcliffe. In late 2020 and early 2021, there were disagreements within the intelligence community regarding the scope and content of the 2020 election ICA. During that process, on January 1st, 2021, the acting attorney general asked the director of national intelligence, the DNI, to provide a classified briefing to the individual referred to in the indictments as co-conspirator four, that would be Jeffrey Clark. On the same day, the DNI's chief of staff made a classified draft of the 2020 election ICA available to co-conspirator four so that co-conspirator four could review the document and speak to the DNI the following day. On January 2nd, 2021, the DNI used secure facilities to, to provide a classified briefing to co-conspirator four via telephone. The indictment alleges that on the day after that briefing, co-conspirator four transmitted an edited version of this draft letter, which included a change from its previous claim that the Justice Department had concerns to a stronger assertion that, quote, as of today, there is evidence of significant irregularities that may have impacted the outcome of the election in multiple states. There is Trump's defense right there in a, in a lot in a, in a sentence, in a line right there in a phrase that is Trump's defense. Ombudsman's findings regarding biased intelligence products. On January 6, 2021, the intelligence community analytic ombudsman, Dr. Barry Zuloff, submitted a letter to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence in which he responded in the affirmative to a question from the committee regarding whether, quote, ODNI officials had politicized or attempted to politicize intelligence, exercised or attempted to exercise undue influence on the analysis, production, um, or dissemination process of ODNI published intelligence products related to election security. Dr. Zuloff's submission stated that, quote, the intelligence community rec recognizes where we have not met our responsibilities for objective intelligence. 
China analyst appeared hesitant to assess Chinese actions as undue influence or interference. These analysts, this is what Dr. Zuloff said, these analysts appeared reluctant to have their analysis on China brought forward because they tended to disagree with the administration's policies. These foundational analytic shortcomings or shortcomings contributed to instances of and led to other instances of at least the perceived politicization of intelligence, needlessly long review times and differences between analytic conclusions and public statements on the one hand and established IC positions on the other. DNI Ratcliffe just disagreed with the established analytic line on China, insisting we are missing China's influence in the U.S. and that Chinese actions are intended to affect the election. DNI Ratcliffe wrote as much in his Wall Street Journal op-ed. Ombudsman from CIA, NSA, and ODNI report the widely shared perspective among IC analysts that analysis on foreign election interference was delayed, distorted, or obstructed out of concern over policymaker reactions or for political reasons. That is shameful. Absolutely shameful. The minority view. Consistent with Dr. Zuloff's concern about China-related reporting, the unclassified version of the 2020 election ICA contains a, quote, minority view attributed to the National Intelligence Officer for Cyber, indicating, quote, some of Beijing's influence efforts were intended to at least indirectly affect U.S. candidates, political processes, and voter preferences. The minority view gave more weight to indications that Beijing preferred former President Trump's defeat. The DNI's Concerns On January 7th, 2021, the DNI submitted a letter to Congress regarding the 2020 election ICA. The DNI's letter stated, quote, I do not believe the majority view expressed by the intelligence community analyst fully and accurately reflects the scope of the Chinese government's efforts to influence the 2020 U.S. federal elections. Similar, react, similar actions by Russia and China are assessed and communicated to policymakers differently, potentially leading to the false impression that Russia sought to influence the election, but China did not. The DNI joined the minority view in the 2020 election ICA, quote, I am adding my voice in support of the stated minority view based on all available sources of intelligence with definitions consistently applied and reached independent of political considerations or undue pressure that the People's Republic of China sought to influence the 2020 U.S. federal elections. The DNI also argued that the public description of the minority view gives the false impression that the NIO cyber is the only analyst who holds the minority view on China. Quote, he is not. A fact that the ombudsman found during his research and interviews with stakeholders. Placing the NI NIO cyber on a metaphorical island by attaching his name alone to the minority view is a testament to both his courage and to the effectiveness of the institutional pressures that have been brought to bear on others who agree with him. Relatedly, 
The DNI emphasized Dr. Zuloff's finding that, quote, CIA management took actions pressuring analysts to withdraw their support from the alternative viewpoint on China in an attempt to suppress it. 2020 election DOJ DHS report. All right, just real, just real quick. Um, on DNI Radcliffe joining the minority view there, just hold in your mind that the DNI has access to intelligence from across all federal agencies. He's the endpoint. He's the guy who's consuming, being presented with all of this information and intelligence from, from multiple agencies, from all of them, all that he could, right? All that are like, they're all available to him. And then he is briefing president Trump and others in the cabinet. So, the f it doesn't make him right, but he's going to be the man that Trump looks to and says, hey, Ratcliffe, what is your assessment? What is your understanding? What is your confidence in this or this? What is your, uh, what is your understanding of China's role, of Russia's role, of Iran's role? What is your uh, confidence in the election results? And so if the DNI is saying, I'm assessing that Russia and in particular China did make efforts to influence the election through this, this means and this means and through these types of activity, this type of activity, et cetera, et cetera, that informs Trump's thinking on the entire thing. And Trump doesn't even have to be right. Like one thing that's uh, important for people to understand is that this case doesn't hinge at all on whether or not Trump was right about the 2020 election being stolen. It hinges on, as Shipwreck Crew was saying, that what was Trump's state of mind? If his handpicked people and then other people within the agencies are pointing out concerns and pointing out activity by Russia and China and other nations and for, uh, uh, to influence, to interfere with, et cetera, the election. It makes complete sense that he would be like, you know what? I really have some concerns here about this election. It doesn't, he doesn't have to be right. He can be wrong and still be completely innocent, which he is innocent, but he can be, he doesn't have to be right. And I, and like, so just want to point that out. That um, it it doesn't that doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong. What matters is the information he had. Um, I see Cinco, yeah, info he had available to him at that time. That is what matters, and that's why that other stuff, um, what he's trying to get access to, and discovery, what he's trying to get com compelled discovery on here is so important because it's the very things that informed his state of mind at that time. Okay, 2020 election DOJ DHS report. In February 2021, the 2020 election DOJ DHS report was submitted to Congress as a, quote, classified joint report by the United States Department of Justice, which includes the FBI and Department of Homeland Security, which includes CISA. The 2020 election DOJ DHS report 
quote, address the impact of activities by foreign governments and their agents targeting election infrastructure or infrastructure pertaining to political organizations, candidates or campaigns used in the 2020 U.S. federal elections on the security or integrity of such infrastructure. A declassified overview of the report was released to the public. The unclassified summary disclaimed evidence of foreign activities that altered any technical aspect of the voting process or otherwise compromised the integrity of voter registration information of any ballots cast during 2020 federal elections. The summary acknowledged, however, that, quote, Broad Russian and Iranian campaigns targeting multiple critical infrastructure sectors did compromise the security of federal networks, several networks that manage some election functions. Boom. Quote, Iranian claims sought to undermine the public's confidence in U.S. election infrastructure. I was one of the only people... Actually, I got to say, I'm the only person I'm aware of, not saying I am the only person, but I am the only person I am aware of who reported on and followed the case of these Iranians who Bill Barr's Justice Department launched an investigation into who hacked into state voter registration and state voter rolls during the 20 leading up to the 2020 election and stole people's information and then sent threatening emails and misinformation to those people using the information they had stolen. And actually what they did with the information is not as important than the fact that they were able to hack into state voter rolls. They gained access to that information and then they compromised that information. So that right there blows up the narrative that all of our information, that all of these state election systems are secure. They can't be hacked. They're not connected to the internet, et cetera, et cetera. That lie was destroyed. Uh, let's see. When was that? About a year after the 2020 election. I think that indictment came out. I don't remember exactly. Okay. Yeah. Two, two Iranians. That's right. Lane Watkins. We covered him on the show. I've gone back to it a few times and pointed it out. Uh, MSM won't touch that story. All right. The January 6th committee issued its report. Now, this is kind of fun because the January 6th committee has actually ended up doing some good work that helps Trump. It's kind of funny. But it's also in line with what a number of us have said since the January 6th committee became a thing that I know it's been my viewpoint, but it's also been the viewpoint of several other people that I know that it doesn't matter. It didn't matter what the January 6th committee did. Because any investigation of January 6th is going to lead to uncovering more information that's going to end up helping Trump. Even if they have the only way they the only thing they can do is like they have to put in fake news. Right. And they have to mislead and add disinformation and they have to twist and contort and rupar things in order to get to the narrative they want. But it doesn't in the end, it doesn't really matter because the net effects of them investigating January 6th and trying to contort it into their view that helps their narrative are going to inevitably end up destroying their narrative because the truth is the best disinfectant, right? The, the, tr the truth can't be hidden. Uh, not forever. So I never minded the January 6th committee. I thought it was wildly entertaining. 
<laughs> and I also thought they were doing some work that would end up helping Trump. And here, here it is. All right. The January 6th committee issued in its final report on December 22nd, 2022. And there's a footnote for it, which I will not click on that link in an appendix titled malign foreign influence. The January 6th committee further politicized the findings of the 2020 election ICA by cherry picking excerpts from the document and ignoring contrary evidence regarding the role of foreign influence in the 2020 election. The January 6th committee exaggerated the conclusion of the 2020 election ICA by claiming that the intelligence community, quote, found no factual basis for any allegation of technical interference with the 2020 U.S. election. January 6th committee report 806. The January 6th committee referred to the ICA as definitive without addressing, for example, the ICA's minority view regarding China or Dr. Zuloff's report regarding bias in the reporting. Nevertheless, several concessions in the January 6th committee's report suggest that the committee collected exculpatory information from the intelligence community that supports President Trump's defense. Oh. Oops. For example, quote, 2020 U.S. elections saw an increase in the number of foreign state and non-state entities that attempted to influence the U.S. electorate. That's not according to Trump. That's according to the January 6th committee report. The committee also acknowledged that, quote, Russia, China, and Iran engage to varying degrees in disguised efforts to influence U.S. public opinion. And U.S. elections offer special opportunities. That's not according to the Trump administration. That's according to the January 6th committee. Russia and China will, for the foreseeable future, continue to press their disinformation campaigns, attempting to undermine U.S. population's confidence in their government and society. Quote, Russia malign disinformation efforts are both strategic in scope and opportunistic in nature. They aim to corrode the power and appeal of the U.S. democratic processes and worsen U.S. domestic division and weaken America at home and abroad. Foreign state adversaries of the United States generally disguise their efforts to influence U.S. audiences, particularly when they seek to influence U.S. voters' views in the run-up to an election. That's not according to Trump. That's according to the January 6th committee. And it helps Trump's defense. Next section, procedural history. President Trump served a classified discovery letter on the special counsel's office in October, on October 15th, 2023, which is an exhibit of the classified su supplement and three unclassified letters on October 4th, October 23rd, and November 15th. The office responded in writing on October 24th, November 3rd, and November 25th. The parties have attempted to resolve the disputes at issue in this motion, but to no avail. So they're saying President Trump's team already went to Jack Smith directly and said, hey, we want discovery on this stuff. And Jack Smith's team saying no. So that's why Trump is going to the judge and saying, look, judge, we are entitled to this stuff. And the special counsel's office won't give it to us. Please order them to. Footnote, by necessity, 
The defense will continue to make requests of the prosecution and file motions to compel if necessary. President Trump has a right to discovery and a fair trial and a, quote, a myopic insistence upon expeditiousness in the face of a justifiable request for delay can render the right to defend with counsel an empty formality. That is a quote from Unger versus Seraphite, or Seraphite, 1964. It is manifest duty of the courts to vindicate those arguments, those guarantees and to con- accomplish that that it is essential that all relevant and admissible evidence be produced. United States versus Nixon, 1974. Discussion. We note at the outset that the prosecution's response to this motion and its approach to discovery in general cannot proceed on the basis of beliefs or assumptions that President Trump's defenses lack merit. From United States v. Edwards, 2012. Quote, it is not for the prosecutor to decide not to disclose information that is on its face exculpatory based on an assessment of how that evidence might be explained away or discredited at trial or ultimately rejected by the fact finder. From United States v. Stevens, 2008. Obviously, a statement may be exculpatory and subject to disclosure to the defense, even if the government believes the statement is untrue. This motion raises matters of fundamental fairness and the integrity of these proceedings, not the special counsel's unjustified confidence in the indictment. From Dennis v. United States, 1966, a conspiracy case... carries with it the inevitable risk of wrongful attribution of responsibility under these circumstances. It is especially important that the defense, the judge and the jury should have assurances that the doors that may, that may lead to truth have been unlocked in our adversary system for determining guilt or innocence. It is rarely justifiable for the prosecution to have exclusive access to a storehouse of relevant fact. Accordingly, the court should compel the special counsel's office to produce information that supports President Trump's defenses relating to the events of January 6th, the impact of foreign interference or foreign influence, golly, my nose is itchy, actual and attempted compromises of election infrastructure and jinx acting Giglio disclosures relating to the prosecution witnesses and the lack of integrity of the shoddy investigations that gave rise to this case. Evidence relating to January 6, 2021 protest. The January 6 protest at the Capitol are relevant to this case and, if necessary, will be the subject of defense motions in Lemonade. Sweet. Yes. Let's destroy the lies about January 6th. Bring it on. Nonetheless, Because the special counsel's office has recently suggested that it will attempt to introduce evidence related to the protest, the office must also produce all materials that are inconsistent with the prosecution's new theory that President Trump directed and is responsible for the events at the Capitol on January 6th. This includes any material suggesting that non-parties directed events on January 6th or are otherwise responsible in whole or in part for the violence that President Trump sought to prevent. 
inconsistent assertions. We are going to learn that President Trump and his admin admin took steps to prevent violence on January 6th, not stoke it. And we are going to learn that the people responsible for the violence on January 6th were carrying it out directly in opposition to Trump and the Trump administration because January 6th was an insurrection against Trump. Inconsistent assertions by government actors. President Trump is entitled to all documents, including private communications, in which prosecutors, law enforcement, and other officials made statements that are inconsistent with the prosecution's position regarding responsibility for January 6th. Such documents are material under Rule 16A1E because they will aid in the preparation of the defense and they are exculpatory under Brady because they undercut one of the prosecution's arguments. For example, statements by government officials are admissible at trial under this rule here, and United States v. Morgan, 1978, says, quote, the federal rules clearly contemplate that the federal government is a party opponent of the defendant in criminal cases and specifically provide that in certain circumstances, statements made by the government agents are admissible against the government as substantive evidence. The court need not resolve admissibility at this juncture, but we may raise the point to illustrate the importance of this aspect of the prosecution's Brady obligation. There is ample reason to believe that responsive materials exist. Prosecutors from the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia repeatedly took positions in public that are inconsistent with the special counsel's new contention. Nor can, all right, what was this? United States v. Carpenter, 2022. Nor can there be any reasonable claim that President Trump intended to or actually authorized the defendant's particular criminal conduct. So check it out. This is a prosecution of a January 6th defendant. And in this prosecution of this defendant, the prosecution, i.e. the DOJ, okay, the DOJ said, the DOJ's prosecutor said this, quote, nor can there be any reasonable claim that President Trump intended to or actually authorized the defendant's particular criminal conduct. Quote, the defendant will be able to identify any remarks made by former President Trump that authorized that illegal conduct. Will be unable. See, the defendant can't point, in this, in this January 6th case, the defendant can't point out any statement President Trump ever made that directed him or authorized him to engage in any illegal conduct on January 6th. And no one can. No such comment, no such authorization, no, no such direction exists. Not from President Trump, anyway. This weekend, seeking to avoid the obvious discovery implications, the prosecution sought to revise the United States Attorney's Office D.C. position. Quote, the department's position in other January 6th cases that the defendant's actions did not absolve any individual rider or responsibility for that rider's actions, even if the rider took them to the defense direction, is in no way inconsistent with the indictment's allegations here. Kind of is, Jack. It kind of is. This was a blatant mischaracterization of the positions the government took in the prior cases, which, like the office's crabbed view 
of the prosecution team calls for heightened skepticism of the prosecution's approach to discovery and commitment to fairness. It strains credulity to suggest that the office's current position regarding responsibility for January 6th is, in, is consistent with, for example, the prior contention that there was, quote, an intent to fight to stop that election result with or without somebody like President Trump calling them into action. Guess where that's from? United States versus Rhodes. Oath Keepers. The prosecution must produce all such statements. Thank God the Oath Keepers got convicted. Request for security at the Capitol. President Trump is entitled to all information relating to security at the Capitol on January 6th, including documents and communications regarding requests for security and the timing of the National Guard's deployment that day. This information is material to the defense and favorable to President Trump because it suggests that, one, Federal and local officials believed adequate measures were in place to facilitate a lawful and peaceful protest at the Capitol, including during the speech at the Ellipse and the delayed arrival of the National Guard contributed to the violence that President Trump sought to prevent. For example, according to the U.S. Department of Defense Office of the Inspector General A. Storch, there were, quote, a number of meetings from Saturday, January 2nd, 2021 through Monday, January 4th, 2021 within the DOD and the DOJ, the DHS and the DOI regarding security at the Capitol. This is from Inspector General Report from January 6th, 2021 and November 16th, 2021. Okay, so that's before Storch, before Storch, but Storch is there now. According to General Mark Milley, President Trump directed the acting Secretary of Defense during one of those meetings to, quote, ensure sufficient National Guard or soldiers would be there to make sure it was a safe event. And the acting Secretary, Chris Miller, responded, quote, we've got a plan and we've got it covered. President Trump is entitled to not only information relating to events and communications in which he participated, but also interactions in which he was not directly involved. See United States versus Safavian, 2005. Reasoning that, quote, simply because the emails themselves were not sent or received by the defendant does not mean they are not material. Presence of government agents at the Capitol. Here we go. We're going to destroy the Fed surrection lie. First steps towards destroying it anyway. President Trump is entitled to all information regarding undercover agents and individuals acting at the direction of official authorities at the Capitol on January 6th. In cases like Zinc, which it's quoting right here, okay, you better read it. United States v. Zinc from 2023, the defendant is certainly right that the identity of a potential undercover actor, assuming any were present at the Capitol on January 6th, could be exculpatory evidence that the government must disclose under Brady. In cases like Zinc, courts have required a direct connection between informants and the decisions of people who were charged in connection with their physical presence on the grounds. But here, President Trump is not seeking to establish that he was induced to engage in the charged conduct. Rather, in this case, information regarding individuals who were present in an official capacity is favorable to President Trump. Okay, freeze. 
if the Fed surrection narrative is true, how could information about individuals there in official capacity, in other words, FBI agents, undercovers, informants, how could their presence there be favorable to President Trump if it was them who started and conducted an arc and were the architects of and encouraged and fomented January 6th insurrection. The obvious answer is it wouldn't be if that fed surrection narrative was true, but the fed surrection narrative is a lie. And the agents who were there and the informants who were there, the people who were there in an official capacity, they were there for right reason. And their presence there is favorable to President Trump because it suggests that there were adequate controls in place and that the violence and issue resulted from a failure of those controls and or failed sting operations. Hello. The federal agents who were there were not there to make the insurrection happen. They were conducting sting operations. The failure of those controls and or failed sting operations rather than any directions from President Trump. It strains credibility to assert that President Trump is not entitled to, to the production of this information. Putting aside for now whether such information is admissible at trial, it certainly aids the preparation of Trump's defense. President Trump's response to foreign influence in the 2016 election. President Trump seeks the complete classified version of the 2016 election ICA and all source materials. Just a moment. I need to check something over here. Just a moment. Okay. President Trump seeks the the complete classified version of the 2016 election ICA and all source materials. In addition, as explained in the classified supplement, President Trump also seeks specific information relating to measures that he oversaw to mitigate cybersecurity threats and protect the integrity of the 2020 election. These materials are discoverable because information relating to a, quote, significant escalation of foreign influence in the 2016 election motivated President Trump and his administration to focus on foreign influence and cyber risk as reflected in Executive Order 13848 and to be skeptical of claims that the absence of foreign influence in the 2020 election or about it. This evidence rebuts the position of the special counsel's office that President Trump's actions between November 2020 and January 2021 were motivated by a desire to maintain office and undertaken with specific intent and unlawful purpose. Quote, absence of a motive would in turn refute the claim that he intentionally entered into an agreement. Evidence regarding the absence of motive is usually admitted to negate specific intent. United States v. Childress, 1995. Quote, purposeful intent or conscious desire to achieve a result is the essence of conspiracy. United States v. Bailey, 1980. 
United States versus Alley, or yeah, Alley, 2012, to prove the particular offenses with which defendant is charged and analysis of his purpose is necessary. Moreover, whereas the special counsel's office falsely alleges that President Trump, quote, eroded public faith in the administration of the election, the 2016 election ICA uses strikingly similar language to attribute the origins of that erosion to foreign influence. That is, foreign efforts to undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process. So how can it be that the same language is used against Trump when four years earlier it was used against foreign adversaries to describe the same effect? The office has argued elsewhere that President Trump, quote, had access to far more information than others in the country. Indeed, including, quote, the benefit of the full resources of the federal government. The office may be correct, but it cannot selectively present intelligence information that supports its narrative while suppressing intelligence that underscores President Trump's good faith. Thus, President Trump is entitled to the detailed information supporting the conclusions in the 2016 election ICA, including, quote, specific intelligence on key elements of the influence campaign. In order to demonstrate to the jury that he did not create or cause the environment that the prosecution seeks to blame him for. For, for similar, okay, so what I'm getting from that is they want this, they want the classified version of the ICA from 2016 because they want to show all the concerns and all of the intelligence and information that was gathered about foreign influence in 2016 and then demonstrate to a jury that all of that stuff from 2016 fed into the administration's concern and their understanding of this, the risk to the election systems in 2020. And you can't have it, the, the, you can't have both. It can't be that 2016 was compromised or influenced or interfered with, et cetera. And that is with, and nobody questions that. Well, I mean, people do, but DOJ and others hold that up as being completely fine. Like this is their understanding. This is what they put forth and they don't ac accuse the Obama administration of undermining confidence in U S election systems because they put that out. But yet Trump's administration has the same concerns about the 2020 election, which they're thinking is informed by the 2016 election ICA plus the 2020 ICA. And then now they say that President Trump is a criminal for having those concerns. Can't have it both ways. All right. For similar reasons, and because President Trump is entitled to evidence demonstrating that his concerns were genuine based on the steps he took in response to the 2016 ICA, the prosecution must disclose the additional materials described in the classified supplement. Next section. Foreign influence efforts relating to the 2020 election and January 6th. Y'all ready to get into how January 6th is actually an insurrection against Trump caused by foreign adversaries and various paramilitary groups masquerading as Trump supporters? 
President Trump is also entitled to all information relating to foreign influence efforts targeting the 2020 election, including foreign influence relating to events on January 6th, whether or not he was briefed contemporaneously regarding these issues. As with the 2016 election ICA, efforts by foreign actors to influence public opinion and perceptions is discoverable in light of the prosecution's allegation that President Trump, quote, created an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger, and eroded public faith in the administration of the 2020 election. Moreover, evidence of covert foreign disinformation campaigns relating to the 2020 election supports the defense argument that President Trump and others acted in good faith, even if certain reports were ultimately determined to be inaccurate. Remember earlier, President Trump doesn't have to be right about his concerns. It just has to be in good faith. Similar to the findings in the 2016 election ICA, even the unclassified version of the 2020 election ICA supports these defenses. Russia had, quote, conducted influence operations aimed at undermining public confidence in the electoral process and exacerbating socio-political divisions in the U.S. Iran carried out multi-pronged covert influence campaigns in order to, among other objectives, undermine public confidence in the electoral process and U.S. institutions and sow division and exacerbate social tensions in the U.S. Quote, a range of additional foreign actors, including Lebanese Hezbollah, Hezbollah, who Israel has is hopefully going to destroy and has been striking here and there while the ceasefire is going on with Gaza. Cuba and Venezuela took some steps to influence the election. The January 6th committee also referenced similar intelligence, which the prosecution has not yet produced, including a, quote, increase in the number of foreign state and non-state entities that attempted to influence the U.S. electorate. And the, quote, disinformation campaigns attempting to undermine the U.S. population's confidence in their government and society. January 6th committee report 807. Oh, look, the January 6th committee helping Trump out. The January 6th committee also warned that, quote, foreign state adversaries of the United States generally disguise their efforts to influence U.S. audiences, which supports President Trump's defense that foreign actors caused and contributed to the circumstances at issue in this case. Thank you very much, January 6th committee. These are examples of public summaries of discoverable details of foreign efforts that are favorable to President Trump. The prosecution must collect and produce all such information. Reports relied upon by the prosecution and prepared by the witnesses. President Trump is entitled to the complete versions of official statements and reports relating to the 2020 election. The 2020 election CISA statement, the 2020 election ICA, and the 2020 election DOJ-DHS report. The special counsel's office should not be permitted to rely upon unclassified summaries of these documents that omit significant details that support President Trump's defense regarding foreign influence and efforts to compromise election infrastructure. 
The office must all must also produce all materials that undercut the conclusions from these documents because the prosecution and its witnesses will no doubt rely upon those conclusions at trial. The 2020 election CISA statement. The special counsel's office has adopted the inaccurate claims in the 2020 election CISA statement that the 2020 election was, quote, the most secure in American history. The 2020 election CISA statement also added that the implausible claim during the sunburst attack that there is no evidence that any voting system was in any way compromised. Oops. Yeah, Wild Board, that's correct. I'm reading the motion to compel that dropped uh, not yesterday, but the day before at night. It dropped on Monday night, I believe. Yeah, it was Monday night. This one and. uh, Oh, yeah, it's still the wrong bookmark. It's this one. And then there's another. uh, There's another huge motion that dropped at the same time. This one's getting the most attention, but the other one has to do with the scope of the prosecution and uh, is also asking for a whole bunch of discovery. It's, it's, it's good too. All right. President Trump will argue at trial that the 2020 election CISA statement was part of a partisan effort to provide false assurances to the public that outpaced the government's understanding of the situation. All information that undercuts the categorical claims in the 2020 election CISA statement, including drafts of the statement that contained narrower language and communications relating to revisions, is favorable to President Trump and material to his defense. 2020 election ICA. As noted, the special counsel's office has also endorsed selected, quote, intelligence community findings from the 2020 election ICA. Information that is inconsistent with the judgments in the ICA relied upon by the office is favorable to President Trump and therefore discoverable, including information regarding attempted compromises of election infrastructure, as well as foreign influence efforts relating to the 2020 election. For example, information relating to attempted compromises can be used to impeach the 2020 election CISA statement and to argue that President Trump and others had greater concerns about the impact of the attempts on the integrity of the election than the witnesses that the prosecution offers or prefers. Information relating to the sunburst attack is also discoverable to in- to impeach anticipated testimony from the former CISA director. Oh, they're going to call Chris Krebs up there. He's going to get destroyed. From the former CISA director, as his subsequent employment by SolarWinds suggests that he had a motive to understand and mislead regarding the impact and risk associated with the attack, including the 2020 election CISA statement. Oh, dude. Chris Krebs is going to get destroyed. <laughs> That is going to be a fun day. (laughs) Chris Krabs probably pooped his pants when he read this part right here. (laughs) All right. The special counsel's office must also produce information concerning political bias and related disputes during the drafting of the 2020 election ICA because President Trump is entitled to rely on that information to impeach the ICA's judgments. To meet this obligation, the office must produce one all drafts of the 2020 election ICA 
Two, communications regarding drafting and revisions. Three, all information and materials relating to Dr. Zuloff's conclusions, including evidence of efforts by CIA management to pressure analysts and suppress reporting. And the and four, the additional materials discussed in the classified supplement. The 2020 election DOJ DHS report. President Trump seeks the complete classified version of the 2020 election DOJ-DHS report and all source materials. While the prosecution's theory rests in part on the report's heavily caveated, caveated, no evidence finding in the public declassified review or overview, even that summary acknowledges, quote, broad Russian and Iranian campaigns that did compromise the security of several networks that managed some election functions. The defense is entitled to those details as compromises of election functions supports President Trump's defense that he had good faith concerns about the integrity of the election. In addition, like the 2016 and 2020 election ICAs, the declassified overview of the 2020 election DOJ DHS report noted that Iran had sought to undermine the public's confidence in U.S. election infrastructure, which is in the intention Wait, which is in tension with the indictment's allegations regarding the atmosphere around the election. Also, like the ICAs, the public overview of the 2020 election DOJ DHS report reflects subjective judgment calls that President Trump is entitled to test through access to the complete document and its supporting materials. First, the report acknowledges, quote, several incidents that materially impacted the security of networks associated with or pertaining to U.S. political organizations, candidates, and campaigns during 2020 federal elections. The overview overview concluded, however, that intelligence community assessed that it was unclear whether the activities were election-specific operations. Second, the overview referred to public claims that one or more foreign governments had taken steps to manipulate vote counts. The intelligence community assessed that it was unclear whether activities were election-specific operations. The overview referred to, quote, public claims that one or more foreign governments had taken steps to manipulate vote counts. Here, the report stated that DOJ and DHS determined that these reports were not credible. President Trump was not obligated to credit these assessments and determinations at the time, nor must he do so at trial. The defense must be permitted to draw attention to good faith non-criminal disagreements regarding the purported conclusions that the special counsel's office seeks to present as infallible. In order to do so, President Trump requires access to details regarding these conclusions. Just because the assessment and determination is contradictory to to public claims that one or more foreign governments manipulated vote counts, doesn't mean that President Trump wasn't perfectly within his right and his duties as president to express concern over these claims and to demand that and to lobby 
Congress and his 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 agencies such as DHS, DOJ, etc., to further investigate these claims, right? Even even if all of his agencies came to him and said, "Sir, none of the claims regarding foreign governments manipulating vote counts are credible." Right? Let's say all of the agencies came to Trump and said, none of this stuff that you're, that that people are saying is credible. We can't find any evidence supporting the claims that foreign governments manipulated vote counts. It's not criminal for President Trump to respond, okay, thank you for telling me that. I would like you to investigate further. Or to then go to Congress and say, listen, guys, we got a lot of claims that there's some weird stuff going on with the election, and I know... I know every agency within the executive branch disagrees with me here and says the claims aren't aren't credible. But I, as president, have a duty to the American people to make sure the election was fair and accurate. So I am lobbying you. I am asking you to investigate further or to contact state officials such as Raffensperger and say, look, we got a lot of claims that things aren't 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 on the up and up in your elections in Georgia there. I would like for you to ex- to investigate. None of that is criminal on President Trump's part. None of it. Evidence relating to infrastructure compromises, voting fraud, and irregularities. President Trump is entitled to all information supporting his position that his concerns regarding fraud during the 2020 election, rather than knowingly false or criminal, were plausible and maintained in good faith. For example, the special counsel's office must produce details regarding the evolving assessment of the impact of the solar wind sunburst attack that was made public just after the 2020 election. In November 2020, as CISA and others expressed complete yet unfounded confidence through the 2020 election CISA statement, a solar winds employee wrote, quote, can't really figure out how to unfuck this situation. In December 2020, the situation caused CISA to declare that customers were currently being exploited. In January 2021, CISA warned that state and local governments, as well as, quote, critical infrastructure entities and others faced grave risk. This is from an advisory from CISA about advanced persistent threat compromise of government agencies, critical infrastructure, and private sector organizations. That report came out on April 15th, 2021. CISA's reference to critical infrastructure was telling, is that term includes the infrastructure used to administer the nation's elections. The sunburst attack has also has purportedly been attributed to the SVR, one of the Russian intelligence agencies that also participated in the exculpatory foreign influence operations described in several reports relating to the 2020 election. Finally, just last month, the SEC alleged that SolarWinds defrauded the public regarding its cybersecurity practices and the impact of the attack. Based on the foregoing, 
information relating to the attack is favorable to President Trump because it supports the argument that there were reasonable concerns about the integrity of the 2020 election and the possibility of technical penetrations of election infrastructure. However, the SolarWinds compromise is not the only basis for those concerns. The special counsel's office should be required to produce information relating to the additional similar issues identified by President Trump, including any other threats that posed, quote, risk to election information housed on U.S. state, local, territorial, and tribal networks. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. I missed something. Okay, that is docket 161 request. Okay, that request... For discovery involved targeted you targeting us state websites to include election websites and information relating to abuses of equipment from dominion voting systems yes that dominion voting systems trump is requesting discovery on information the government has relating to threats posed to and risk to election information amongst the various states, local and local networks, etc. Information about targeting of U.S. state websites, information about um, election website targeting and information relating to abuses of equipment from Dominion voting systems. Boom. Next section. ODNI materials relating to the DNI's briefing of co-conspirator four. Anticipated testimony from the DNI regarding his classified briefings to, quote, co-conspirator four on January 2nd, 2021, and related communications with President Trump and others is central to the prosecution's case. In the indictment, it is alleged that the DNI disabused the defendant of the notion that the intelligence community's findings regarding foreign interference would change the outcome of the election. It doesn't even matter if it would change the election. It does not matter whether foreign interference changed the outcome of the election. It does matter that Trump thought it should be investigated further, that it should be examined further, and that he legally lobbied state agencies and officials and federal agencies and officials to investigate further. For example, the special counsel's office claims that claims inaccurately that on the next morning, co-conspirator four had quote, no additional evidence of election fraud. The DNI's classified briefing has obvious relevance to that false allegation and related revisions by co-conspirator four to his draft letter. During an interview by the special counsel's office and related grand jury testimony, the DNI indicated that he had prepared by reviewing materials maintained by his former employer, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, particularly in light of the importance of the DNI's testimony. The office must collect and produce all such materials. And for all prosecution witnesses, 
all classified communications relating to the subject matter of their testimony. Next, Giglio material relating to Mike Pence's mishandling of classified information. President Trump seeks evidence relating to unauthorized retention of classified documents by Vice, by Vice President Mike Pence. Boom. Ha-ha. Under Brady and Giglio, the special counsel's office has an obligation to collect and produce this impeachment information bearing on Pence's credibility and bias. And the office is currently in violation of its obligation to do so, quote, as soon as reasonably possible. In January 2023, Vice President Pence reportedly turned over at least a dozen documents bearing classification markings. In February 2023, the FBI found at least one additional classified document at Vice President Pence's home in Indiana in connection with a search that was described as consensual after negotiations between Pence's representatives and the Justice Department. DOJ's National Security Division, which also participated in the investigation of President Trump, reviewed the documents in question. In June 2023, the National Security Division informed Pence's attorney that it had closed its investigation and that based on the results of that probe, no charges will be filed against the former vice president. The potential criminal charges faced by Vice President Pence gave him an incentive to curry favor with authorities by providing information that is consistent with the Biden administration's preferred and false narrative regarding this case. Accordingly, the special counsel's office must collect and disclose information maintained by the National Security Division and the FBI related to the Pence investigation, the negotiations relating to the FBI search, and the decision not to bring charges. <laughs> Pence is Robin to Trump's Batman. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. The prosecution. All right, next, the evidence of bias and investigative misconduct. The prosecution's Brady obligation also includes information that can be used to attack the reliability of the investigation and argues that it was shoddy. I have to rush because I need to go pick up my my four year old. Okay. In order to prevent President Trump from being robbed of the opportunity to attack the thoroughness and good faith of the government's investigation, the court should compel the special counsel's office to disclose the following information and all other instances of policy violations and or misconduct during investigations relating to the 2020 election and January 6th investigation. Coordination with the Biden administration. Communications regarding these investigations by members, relatives, or associates of the Biden administration are discoverable because they support President Trump's defense regarding the politically motivated nature of the prosecution. FISA abuses. Ooh. President Trump is entitled to evidence demonstrating that the FBI violated procedures relating to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act in connection with investigations relating to this case. Um, I, I have long thought they took out a FISA warrant on Trump and on people around him. And I think we're going to find out they did. In April 2022, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court issued an opinion describing, quote, significant violations of the FISA querying standard, including several related to the January 6, 2021 breach of the U.S. Capitol. 
information relating to these violations is discoverable because it can be used to impeach the, the integrity of the investigation under Kyle's, which I'm not familiar with that, and related authorities in this district. In addition, the FISC's opinion indicates that the FBI personnel executed some of the queries to identify possible foreign influence, foreign ties, and activities at the direction of a foreign power. I actually didn't expect it to go this direction. That's why I mentioned I think they took out a FISA warrant on Trump and people around him, but that's not the angle that Trump's team is taking here. They're, refu- they're referring to FISA's taken out on people that participated in the January 6th in- insurrection against the Trump admin. Well, if people on January 6th who engaged in the insurrection had FISA warrants taken out on them, then that means that they were connected to something foreign. That's what FISA is, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. So Trump's team wants information about possible foreign influence, foreign ties, and activities at the direction of a foreign power. This they this is the Ukrainians and Chinese actors and I don't know who else who were present on January 6th and engaging in the insurrection. Boom, boom, boom. For the reasons already discussed, evidence that agents or analysts queried FISA databases because they suspected that the events of January 6th were influenced by foreign actors is favorable to President Trump because it suggests that prior to this case, the government did not believe he was responsible for incidents on that day. Riddle me this. Why would the government accuse President Trump of being responsible for January 6th violence if they had previously taken out FISAs on people who engaged in that influence because they believed that there was foreign influence and direction of that the events on that day. Other investigative misconduct. That's right, E.H. Kyle. That's what FISA is for. That's This is exactly what the kind of thing FISA is for. All right. For similar reasons... Evidence relating to bias and other investigative misconduct is exculpatory and must be produced. This includes, one, information relating to the conflicting views at DOJ in mid-2021 regarding whether to pursue people in President Trump's orbit, which reached the Deputy Attorney General's office. Next, communications reflecting political bias or motivation relating to President Trump or investigations that led to this case, including all documents and communications relating to the policy disagreement between DOJ leadership and the public integrity section between November 2020 and March 2021. Next, documents reflecting efforts or proposals by members of the prosecution team to target President Trump his associates, uncharged co-conspirators, or people present at the Capitol on January 6th based on First Amendment-protected activities. Documents from 2021 relating to the decision by SASC Wyndham to, quote, discreetly inquire if the United States Postal Inspection Service would pursue a grand jury investigation that the FBI rejected. Documents relating to violations of DOJ policy and applicable ethics rules in connection with Sherwin's March 2020 
Sherwin's March 2021 60 Minutes interview, which reflected political bias against Trump. Sherman was a, if I'm remembering this right, Sherman was a U.S. attorney who gave an interview which betrayed how politically biased he was. Lastly, documents and communications from 2021 reflecting contact between Hefe and prosecutors or investigators, private or otherwise, regarding the status of the Select Committee's investigation, which supports President Trump's defense that DOJ's decision to target him was politically motivated. The special counsel's office has represented that it has, quote, proceeded consistently with the justice manual. Based on justice manual, section 9-5.002, the Supreme Court's guidance in Kyle's, which is some case I'm not familiar with, sorry, regarding the discover, it doesn't have anything to do with me. My name's not Kyle's, it's Kyle. Regarding the discoverability of evidence for use in impeaching the investigation and the affirmative duty to search for exculpatory evidence, that is from United States v. Safavian, 2005, the office must review case files, including substantive case-related communications maintained by all members of the prosecution team and disclose these types of evidence. Conclusion. For the foregoing reasons, President Trump respectfully submits that the court should compel the special counsel's office to disclose the above-described documents and information. In the alternative, the court should hold a hearing, classified as necessary, to address any factual disputes to these issues. Signed, Counsel for President Trump. They're saying the court needs to order Jack Smith to turn over all of this stuff, or or and or the court needs to hold a hearing so that we can argue this before you judge. Boom. Oh, what a filing. Okay. I am out of time. I need to jump back on dad duty and go pick up my kid from school. I will be back live. Um, tonight for devolution power hour but i will also later today this afternoon i'm going to upload a video i did um going over the latest in the seth rich foia case so there's going to be another video from me today there will not be a live show on friday morning because i have to go to the dentist it's i tried to schedule i tried to schedule it on a day that i don't usually stream but this is a rescheduled dentist appointment and the nearest day they had available was on a Friday morning. So my apologies. If you enjoyed this show, if you enjoy my work, hit the thumbs up over on rumble, share the show, visit, visit the links in the description or on my link tree to uh, find ways to support the show. If you're Christmas shopping, I've got some affiliate links in over there that if you go and buy some Christmas presents for folks in your family, or your friends or coworkers, the the companies will kick a couple dollars my way. This is a user supported show, and when you do things like that, I really appreciate it. it. Literally makes this show possible. So, and you guys are very generous. You you make this show possible, and you make it make sense for me to continue doing it. And I can't I can't thank you enough. I really can't. I I count it a, pre, uh, a it's a pleasure, but I also count it as a privilege that that you afford me to. Um, be able to keep doing this. So 
I will. Hey, easy three cents. Yes, I will upload it to Pilled as well. Yep, sure will. Sure will. So it'll be on Pilled and it'll be on Rumble. Thanks for thanks for uh, mentioning that easy three cents. So thank you all very much. God bless each and every one of you. Stay positive and remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. Let's see if the audio works this time. Because last time when I played audio, when I started, it played it through my speakers instead of like in my ears. But y'all said you can hear it. You could you could hear it. So um hopefully this is gonna work. Yes, EH Kyle, we will go back to um we will go back to our regularly our we will go back in time on this docket and go through Jack Smith's motion opposing Trump's motions to dismiss. We will go back and read through those. Um, I don't know. I may have to do a weekend show. We'll see. I'll work it out with my wife. Um, if not, if not, we'll do it Monday morning, but uh, we'll, we're going to go through it. It's going to be, it's going to be a chore to go through it, but we're going to do it. Rhea, thank you very much. Dang. Thank you. Y'all are so great. All right. God bless y'all. I got to run. Have a blessed day. Is it going to play? It's playing. All right. All right. See y'all.